You have to go down before you go up. Turn the music all the way down. Yeah, like, yeah. You gotta start fresh. It's like it was on and it was down and it was like yeah. you wanted to fade it up. You just got it. It's a whole process, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. On the dot. On the dot. Finally. On the dot. It's been I like, years. I like to live on the dot. Right on the dot. Show me the dot. Do people call uh, Toronto T-Dot anymore? <laughs> you want to know what's funny? I don't know if they ever did. <laughs> I don't recall an actual Toronto exchange in which that occurred. Well, there was a song, right? <laughs> the song, the song was as close as I ever got to being around people that called it the dot. Yeah. That's the closest I got mm -hmm. to the dot. You never said it yourself? I don't think so. Oh, I... And then the dot turned into the six, Will. Uh-huh. Did you know why it's called the six? Something about uh, six territories or something? Six areas? I know there's six of something. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. Some people th originally th thought that it had something to do with the area code. But they were wrong. Yeah. Of course, you can, of course you gotta come to Drake over here. <laughs> of course. You're looking like a rubber ducky. Uh -huh. With the bright yellow. The identity of Toronto remains very unsettled, and I think that's good. Part of the creative tension of Toronto is that it's such a mixture of various cultural influences. Yeah, that's fair. These are the different nicknames that have existed for Toronto, apparently. T dot. An abbreviation of T-O, which is Toronto, Ontario. T-O, which is the precursor to T-Dot. T-O. Yeah. The Big Smoke, going back to the early 1900s. I like that one. Uh, Australian writer Alan Rayburn called Toronto the Big Smoke. From there, the name was popularized by Canadian journalists. He called it this because Toronto had a giant reputation and nothing to show for it. <laughs> like smoke and mirrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Big smoke. I thought it was pollution or something initially. A lot of good names kind of have more than one way that you could interpret it. Mm-hmm. Or that, like, because then it can kind of create a like, sort of lore yeah. around it. Hogtown, which is obvious, hogs, named hogs, actual hogs, will will bring you to hogs. A lot of pork. Hogs will bring you to Hogtown. And Baby New York. <laughs> uh -huh. I've never heard that one before. Me neither. I think I've heard, like, Canada's New York. I feel like I've heard people say that. Before, but baby New York, I never heard that. Yeah. Anyway, six came in, uh, six municipalities making up Metro Toronto. As all the people who say that they live in Toronto, it, like if somebody were to ask you from outside of Toronto and you lived in one of these areas, you say, I live in Toronto, but to the people in Toronto, you don't live in Toronto. Like you would never say you live in Toronto to uh -huh. somebody from Toronto. Where do they like converted as like boroughs or something? Yeah, yeah. They call Small in New borough. York, they call them boroughs. Yeah. Um, but then you get people that would just be like, oh, in the city. Oh, do you live in the city? And then the city becomes the actual name brand place. Uh -huh. like, and then everywhere else is like 
sort of Toronto. Like that's what happens with urban sprawl. Chicago's a lot like that too. Yeah, outside the city, inside the city. Are you? Yeah. Or I'm going to. I'm going into the city later. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But like, you're not going to a different place. Uh huh. Like you're not going out of town, which is something completely different. And right, then, right. and you know where those places would be if you actually were going out of town. Uh-huh. Like people who go on sort of semi-local trips around here. There's like, you could be going somewhere that's definitely in your mind, not in Toronto anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is weird because it's not a proximity thing. It's more a perception thing. Like if you go to Hamilton, you're not in Toronto, but you're also not as far away as some places that sort of feel included in Toronto. Sure. That's odd. Yeah, How that I works get in your mind with uh, North York because it's kind of in the city. It has like its own okay. area, but it uh, it feels like the middle ground. It's the, uh, it I is really a, don't it is know. absolutely the transition. Yeah, between the suburbs and the city, it happens in North York. Yeah, yeah, has a prominent mall there as well. It happens in North York. Uh huh. At least around here, but North York is definitely officially part of the city of Toronto, right? And we don't call it like not the downtown, side. not the downtown part, but like the whatever the gr- greater man. When you get into that, it's like yeah, the greater Toronto area. The GTA. What are you talking about? That's everything. That's everywhere you go. Um, I always call it uh, North York Uptown. It's what. All yeah, my friends call it, I know. I don't really strange. think that makes a lot of sense because I've heard people say that about Young and Eglinton. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's I'm going. True. You know, that's a what, uptown. We don't have uptown. We don't have an uptown. We definitely have downtown. There downtown, is no yeah. uptown. I'm canceling uptown in Toronto. There's no such thing. Okay. I've heard people use the uptown to refer to incredibly far places up. Yeah. I'm. I gotta head uptown later. Uptown, uptown where? How far? Because guess what? It goes forever. And in Toronto specifically, because Young Street goes forever. Yeah. You can keep traveling up and this, the the development just keeps going. There's very, with very few breaks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where does up stop as you keep going up? Yeah. Down is pretty obvious. You run out of down. You yeah. run into the lake. You get into the lake. You lake run Ontario. You run out of downtown. Yeah. So that's a little easier. Some places have actual uptowns. We don't have an actual uptown. I think if you had a boundary, if you had a parameter, like a boundary on each side, uh-huh. so to the south you had water and to the north you had water, now we're talking uptown and downtown. Where are you going? Uptown. Where are you going? Downtown. Town runs out. Yeah. When there you, should be a border. You got urban sprawl going on over here. Yeah. Uptown, downtown. It's a lot of gradient. <laughs> Yeah, or some people might think it's the transit system. Because the transit system sort of used to define that northern boundary, sure, the sure. subway system. But then they expanded it, and then it goes to Vaughn. And it's like, oh, well, Vaughn is right on the edge of North York. And, it is, yeah. Okay, now you got the... But it's not tech, it's not technically part of the city. It's definitely part of the greater Toronto area. Yeah. Ah! I kind of like this stuff. Though. I would always go on those websites, City Data, and read about different cities and municipalities and different boundaries and movements and demographics. And, like, I yeah. find this stuff to be relatively interesting. Yeah. Movements. And how it evolves over time. 
how it changes. It's so hard. It's one of those things. It's almost like armchair quarterback stuff where you look at it in in backwards and you go, I would have done it like this. But then yeah. the whole thing is happening in real time and everything's getting bolted on from a planning perspective. Yeah, and people are like, I wouldn't dynamic. have done I wouldn't have done the 401. It's like you wouldn't have. You don't know what you were dealing with at the time. You don't know what the presentation yeah. looked like. Oh, the Gardner Expressway's always been a disaster. And it's like, has it always or was it cool at one time? I mean, even the way I like that they renovated the stadium, the Rogers Center, previously Skydome, because I know there's rumors, oh, we're going to rip it down, and they're probably still going to rip it down. Mm-hmm. But to go in and in the meantime, like, sort of update it. Yeah. Because, like, these type of stadiums are, are not really the thing that people are doing anymore. They're much more open and in- city integrated, right, whereas right. this was like a spaceship you enter. It was like kind of like a... yeah. I don't know. I have nostalgia. I, ha- I you can't ask me about it because I have like childhood stuff about this building. Like I don't, I don't care how ugly you think it is. It's my kind of ugly. You understand? Okay. That's have my. You, my you haven't, I haven't visited the since new... the Renos. No. Nope. I haven't. I. It's definitely happening this summer for sure. I'm gonna go check out the Renos. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, what you got for me? What you got for me today? No Elon, right? No Elon allowed. We're on a we're there's on a, we're on Elon vacation right now. There's one or two. Very we can make it very quick. Somebody just mentioned I don't have a coffee today. I you know what? That's actually I wish I did. Will does. Look at that guy sipping away over there. He's having a time and I'm not. This is hot water. <laughs> hot water? Yeah. Is that I want your to thing? keep hydrated. Is that your thing? Hot water? Um I drink coffee in the morning. Right when I get up and then when I'm here I just hot water. I don't know. Hot water. Yeah. Hmm. I would make a coffee if we have a coffee machine. We we had one for a short period of time. Yeah. It was it was in and it was out. Oh. Mm, maybe get one back in here. Who knows? I mean, it seems like a thing we could do. <laughs> no, impossible. Oh, good Lord. Shout out Bartos. Uh, discussing Google is worth to address a pixel support and availability in non-English speaking countries. Hmm. I have to assume that they would want to roll it out to more countries. I don't know what restrictions or complications exist. Shout out Andre. <laughs> Only peasants drink Budweiser and Bud Light, according to Andre. Yeah, yeah the poll's out. <laughs> uh, but listen, Bud Light is an extremely popular beer. I think oh, it might, yeah. in, on the given day, it happens to be the most popular. I'm not saying it makes it better. I'm just letting you know you're calling a lot of people peasants. That's all I'm trying to. Yeah. But listen, uh, I feel like people in there are talking about German beers and stuff, and that's fair. It's all different, all different flavors out there. Well, the poll's out. Do you drink Bud Light? The poll is out. Yeah, I have a poll. What? What is? What is the point of it? Drinking Bud Light? Question mark? Yes, no. Underage. Like currently. Why Bud Light? What's the significance? Just the controversy. <laughs> Oh, the Dylan stuff? Yeah. That's a topic today? No. No, oh. no it isn't. Oh, but you're just, just trying to... You're a sneak attack. So, <laughs> someone, you're being controversial via poll. Yeah, someone wants to put a controversial poll. So I did. A controversial poll without covering the controversial story. Yeah. Damn, dude, this is deep. Yeah. Well, the discussion could be online in the, uh, the chat. Let me tell you something. I uh, I appreciate most. Like, I'm not one of these guys. I take a sip of a beer and I'm like, oh, it's piss. It tastes like piss. Like, it, this is not me. So, so you accept all. I don't choose Bud Light. I'm not gonna lie. I don't choose for Bud Light. I don't reach for Bud Light. But if somebody hands me a Bud Light, I'm not spitting it on the ground. I'm sure. like it. 
There's some beers I like more than others, but I'm not discriminating at that at that level. Uh-huh. Like the main thing is a cold beer shared amongst friends at the right moment. Like oh, that's yeah. what it's about. Yeah, nothing wrong with like, that. Let's not get carried away here. That's what it's about. And so that's when you end up passing around and trying different things and you know. Glass bottle or can? Well, because I'm so often at the rink when I'm drinking and things like this with pals, yeah. you're only allowed cans. But oh, okay. definitely like in a restaurant type setting or anything more formal. You, you mean the bottle, the bottle is a bottle, okay. It's fun. Right. Oh, or a glass. I mean if you're drinking if you're at a bar, then yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where we're talking about here. I don't have a tap at my house yet. <laughs> no. But man. I guess you can pour a bottle in a glass. That's always a interesting one. Pouring the bottle in the glass at home. You're like, you know what? Hmm. I want to drink this out of a glass. Yeah, I do that. So I I'm going to pour the bottle of beer into the glass so that it's fancier. Uh-huh. But I don't know why I feel kind of weird about that because um, I think I think I think I know why actually. Okay. Because in my house it's so uh, chaotic. You don't the, have time. Well, no, the bottle I think provides slightly more protection. Okay. Like okay. for for a spill, I might have a split second to grab it by the neck. Right. Right. And yeah, not have a trickle. complete disaster going on. I think about these things. You know, I have like lids and yeah, different cups for different people in my family. The, well, like when they're lit, when they're very small, they have you wouldn't believe the contraptions, uh-huh. and they still find a way to destroy things and spill it. Like sure. they'll they'll defeat any system you want to put in place. That's their job. They go, oh, we're a nice fancy system you've got there. Oh, you're oh you're organized. <laughs> they stare in your face. <laughs> Cute. Your kid is calling you out. You're organized. <laughs> isn't that isn't that cute? Huh? You think you're orderly? Isn't that cute? Throws a pizza at your Guess face. Guess what? I'm not. Yeah. Guess what? I'm learning, and I have an excuse. Punches you in the gut. And I'm one. Yeah. So I can I can I can get away with things. Yeah. Yeah, pour, you can pour your you can pour your beer into a pint glass. I mean, uh, whatever you want to do, man. Yeah, it's a nice feeling. It's up to you, man. You want to talk about Alphabet today? Alphabet shares fall in a report that Samsung may dump Google search in favor of Bing. Well, Bing is all about your GPTs these days. Bing is the hot is the new kid on the block. Yeah. Bing is the new girl in the school. Uh huh. You know how that goes, right? Well, with the skirt. Easy. I, I got put out there. I didn't. I didn't need to get that specific. Well, yeah. Uh, listen, I. How big of a deal is this AI thing for search? Has it really affected me or influenced my behaviors? Not really. I, I haven't reached for this Bing. Uh, I. If it is, if it truly turns out to be the future of search and so forth. Then Alphabet needs to pick its game up and and catch up and this get moving in this race here. I know they put out the Bard. People said, "Hey, your Bard is not there, sir. You're a little you're lagging on this one. You were asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. You're Alphabet. You're Google. How are you asleep at the wheel on this one? You got all the guys. You got all the guys and all the girls. You got all the engineers. You got all the money. Yeah. When I think about AI, I think of Google. Like they should because have because they have been using like doing assistant 
first and they do it really really well yeah uh well anyway so let's see here alphabet shares fell as much as four percent on monday following a report south korea's samsung electronics was considering replacing google with microsoft owned bing at the as the default search engine on its devices the report published by the new york times over the weekend underscores the growing challenges google's 162 billion dollar a year search engine business faced from bing a minor player that has risen in prominence recently after the integration of the artificial intelligence tech behind ChatGPT. Now, could they cut a deal? Let's see here. $20 billion tied to similar Apple contract. Ah, cut a, cut a deal, cut a contract. Google's reaction to the threat was panic as the company earns an estimated $3 billion in annual revenue from the Samsung contract. Can't they cut a deal? Can't they up their, their bid? Can't they say, hey, include it for this much? But what if, like... Bing is so good, and Samsung wants it so bad in their OS <laughs> that uh, any kind of money Samsung, would be massive. And we need it so bad. Yeah, they're drooling. They're like, it's you know, it's just you know, it's a search engine. Oh, we need it so bad. Uh, listen. Uh, man, I'm I'm like just certain, I'm looking at the chat right now. I'm saying there's a new Dalai Lama controversy. Elon was on Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Like there's stuff going on here. Everyone, everyone yelling and screaming at me. I don't know what what's going on <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, they got to cut a deal. I think you got to stay on Samsung devices. It's too prominent. It's a big deal. My recommendation to Google is give them what they want so you can stay there. I don't think this is about the superiority of the search engine i don't think bing is close enough to completely displacing it yet in terms of like brand awareness and search volume it could happen if it's really that good but in the meantime i i, I would think that there's a negotiation to be had that i find this unlikely it's possible but unlikely and, and don't forget microsoft could make their very own bid they could be like hey samsung heard of our heard of our new kid on the block how about we throw in a little bit of this and that and we get a deal done and yeah. and samsung says you know what our users might not care that much now's the time they might not be mad at us for doing something like this maybe we'll take your money instead if your bid happens to be reasonable mm-hmm. makes sense a- apple launches its new high yield savings account with 4.15 percent apy well, now you've got me. Four four point one five. I'm in. You like the one? Yeah, that's all I needed. Four point one five. Savings yeah. account for Apple Card users available today. Users can now choose to save their daily cash rewards earned by spending money. Oh, let me just since we're on this topic, I had this very novel experience the other day, or or ongoing, I should say. Okay. Which is with PayPal. Now you're sitting there saying what? Mm. Oh, what you care about you care about paypal what a lot of people still use paypal well here's what happened to me and now i'm using it again it's like sometimes you don't know what is going to be the novel feature that reinvigorates your relationship with a product mm. this worked on me so what happened i went to pay for something online i selected paypal and it prompted me to use my rewards instead of my actual money now, you might be saying, what rewards are you talking about? I'm talking about my actual credit card rewards. So, you know how you accumulate rewards on your credit card as you do your typical spending? Yeah. Now, normally, you have to go into their interface in order to extract value from that. Like, I don't know, they're going to send you a gift card or a prize or maybe a coffee maker for the studio. Okay. When you spend a lot on your credit card. Yeah. In this case, it's so direct and simple. It's like, no... That credit card has rewards on it. Do you want to use them for this purchase? 
Right, oh, okay. right there, right while you're already checking out, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's such a perfect user experience." I don't want to go into some separate interface, mm-hmm. and I don't even know if I'm getting the best value on those points. Probably sure. not. And you could also do other things like use those points to pay down your balance, whatever. It's, but this user experience was so smooth that I was like, the other payment processing apps don't give me that option. And now I'm clicking on PayPal to see, like, just because of that option. Really? To use that balance. The balance is just sitting there in rewards. I'll never use it mm-hmm. for anything else. It's just going to sit in there. And then it'll just automatically subtract when you check out. It's right in that moment, yeah. right? As you cl- When you click pay, it doesn't come out of your credit card it doesn't come out of your paypal balance it comes straight from rewards to the uh retailer and that's it Mm. it almost feels like you got it for free or something you didn't but it's a novel experience what i'm trying to get at right where you don't have to think about it anyway i just wanted i i would never have talked about that if you didn't bring up this story but anyway apple wants more of your financial activity they want your apple card they want your credit they want your what is this Dalai Lama stuff that everybody's shouting about in the chat? By the way, uh, shout out Orobot. What 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 did he do differently in relationship to whatever's has happened? I, I didn't know that there was an update. Why did you type Itachi? That's the user that oh. keeps talking about it. Just go to Dalai Lama news. Uh, misrepresented in the West. What? Another controversy. It can't be the Lady Gaga thing. What? Another video? Two days ago? Is this real? I, I, I don't... I don't. This is real time, all right, guys? Deal with me here. I don't know this website. This could be complete scam. He touches the singer's leg. Will, is this, like... Is this real well, stuff? Well, you're telling me. I don't know. Is this real? No, no. I'm asking your opinion. Okay, go, go. Yeah, there we go. Here we go. Here we go. We got a video. I think it needs to run an ad. No, it does. Here you go. He's about to reach over. Oh. A little tickle on the uh, knee there. Huh. Okay. Well. Hmm. 17-second video. The religious uh, leader is seen paying little attention to the woman who is speaking during the conference. He looked down at her leg and saw that she was wearing torn trousers from the knees. So he stretched out his left hand with his fingers and touched Gaga's skin. When he tried to do the same on the other leg, she grabbed his hand and prevented him from doing so. This is an old video. Um... This is a thing. I don't know if it was talked about at the time, but maybe people are now combining. Yeah, this in the past variety like, of this stories. Is you, this is what you did, and like using it as evidence that it's an ongoing type of thing. I, I believe that's what you expected me to look at. But all right, he touched the leg. I don't think she wanted the leg touched. Okay, that's fair. Solution for Google, distribute pixels uh, EU-wide, ensuring Bing is no longer the default search engine. There you go. Well, this guy really wants a Google Pixel in his local region, and it is one way of enabling a greater reach for Google search, and it's probably one of the big reasons that Google got in the hardware market in the first place. Like, we got all these services. How do we ensure that they remain the de facto services? One way, let's control the hardware. Gives us a little more versatility a little more capability and 
In the meantime, the Pixel device is half decent. Mm -hmm. uh, so the Apple Store in India it has opened. Yes. As of yesterday? Uh, yesterday, I believe, yeah. Tim Cook was there. He tweeted it out. Told you, man. Went straight from Coachella. Yeah. Private jet kept the same badge on. So it's two stories, and it is this unique sort of flat iron shape thing going on. Uh -huh. I like it. Looks pretty nice in there. You got the live plants on the inside. Mm -hmm. I mean, otherwise, it looks like an Apple store. But, uh, but it, this is big news for, for India. It's the first one. Yeah, very sustainable. Apparently, it doesn't use any fossil fuels. Well, they got some solar up top. I think I think so. They haven't shown the top, but um, this is what it looks like on the inside. We got the PR team working overtime. They invited all the YouTubers, Indian tech YouTubers over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get all your videos made. They look to have a tremendous amount of staff ready to go uh, and, and lots of access. You see how they just let, let everybody shoot videos wherever they wanted? Yeah. That's one way to make it happen. Yeah, and it's pretty nice, pretty clean. I like it. Yeah, I like, I like a two-story thing if you've got the space for it. And a lot of wood. But this is, their design language is pretty uniform. They don't get too crazy per region. As yeah. far as the design language, yeah, the architecture and the external aspect of the store tends to be a little more unique, but per region. But once you get inside, they they all seem to have that same kind of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But congrats uh, to uh, to Apple on on this, and obviously, I presume a lot of Indian tech fans are going to go check this out if they're nearby. It's going to be uh, pretty popular spot until more of them open up this is the first one this one is in mumbai and then the next one is opening like next week or something in delhi uh -huh. so they're gonna do a one-two punch on that and yeah. it's probably the start of a heck of a lot more of these things over there yeah shout out track and tech oh yeah thanks for use of those video clips mm -hmm. canada public broadcaster cbc's twitter account labeled 69 percent government funded media oh boy <laughs> The trolling continues. Yeah, just like NPR. Canada's CBC pauses its Twitter activities over the label. It says question. It says questions its editorial independence. Yes, exactly the same thing that no, not PBS. NPR. NPR. Yeah. yeah. PBS. Like, I think they got it sorted out, or what do they do with PBS? Public broadcasting. I don't think I didn't hear any kind of uproar. BBC was like, hey. You mislabeled us. We're not exactly that. We're kind of this. And then they wanted percentages and these conversations came up. I think it's on... BBC is on Elon's good side for now. But CBC? No, no. <laughs> CBC. CBC's move follows that of the National Public Radio in the United States over government-funded tech. No, CBC is definitely uh, government, partially government-funded. I mean, uh -huh. that's a well-known characteristic is it actually 69 percent and he's having fun he's having fun so then that's kind of goofy because if you're actually using the label to tell that's kind of goofy they said it's um like 30 cbc said it was 30 percent government funded so elon's like okay well 69 or or sorry they said it was 70 percent oh government funded okay well then that that is better than totally lying 
The Twitter label on the CBC site previously showed 70% government-funded media, but Twitter owner Elon Musk said the Canadian Broadcasting Corp said they're less than 70% government-funded. So he corrected the label to 69. CBC said it will pause its Twitter activities over the labeling. Uh, a spat that has also drawn in Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his cons- conservative rival Pierre Polivare. Yeah, he said he has something to say about it. I think it says a lot about the Conservative Party of Canada that they're choosing to constantly attack independent media organizations, journalists who are working hard to keep Canadians informed and support our democracy. CBC Radio-Canada serves right across the country, delivers local news and local content in many regions of the country that, yes, has been challenged over the past years, but the idea of adding to that challenges and laying on by attacking this Canadian institution, attacking the culture and local content that is so important to so many Canadians, uh, really indicates uh, the values the approach that Mr. Polyev is putting forward. Still trolling. And I think it is telling that in order to attack this institution that is important for many, many Canadians, he runs to American billionaires, the tech giants that they continue to defend in committee and in their, uh, in their approach on our legislation to make tech giants pay their fair share. Conservatives are always there to defend them. So when they're trying to attack a foundational Canadian institution, the fact that he has to run to American billionaires for support to attack... What Canadians, is the running to American billionaire part? About Mr. Paul Yevon. Is he talking about Elon? Uh, maybe. I presume that's what he's talking about. I mean, as far as American tech billionaires go. Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's just when you see it with such an official type of stamp, and it is kind of, I'll tell you the other part that's goofy, to say you're less than 70% funded, what, what, that's, there's a lot of numbers that are less than 70%. Yeah. What is the point of that? Why not just say 70% or say the exact percentage amount? It's an, it's an odd one, I, but I presume it's something like there's par- probably some sort of agreement that that's the maximum that they're allowed to be funded, and so they just say at any given point in time we're less than 70% funded, but it does kind of open you up to this joke, and mm-hmm. and it certainly opens you up to the label. And if you are government-funded, then be government-funded, and state government funding, I don't, I don't really see what the issue is. I think most people, well, maybe maybe most people don't know that. But certainly a lot do know that yeah. uh, that CBC is government funded and and people are free to have their point of view on that, mm. whether they think that that's a good thing or a bad thing and or whether or not they want to look through, you know, maybe perceive what they're seeing there through a slightly different lens, given that information that mm-hmm. it is government funded mm-hmm. and at any point in time, there is a government funding those activities. But the fact that it's 69% is just like someone who's looking for some sort of officiality. It's like 69, like the label of it is just so 
controlling. And but in all honesty, in all honesty, if on the website, which is where they're getting this information from, because I don't think this is like an open book policy, if it says under 70, what are you writing? They, they, they don't have that, that option in here. Mm-hmm. They, they could put government-funded media, but then dif- this different media got upset yeah. about it and said... Hey, it's, hey it's, it's whatever percentages. So if they're if they're gonna put percentages in there, and you say under seventy, now now maybe what needs to happen, and probably what should happen, in all honesty, I mean I know laughs aside, is that they there should be a submission in order to actually figure out what the the true percentage is or the rough percentage is, and then they can submit themselves, whatever that number is. Mm-hmm. But under a certain number doesn't really tell you much. And it just so happens to land on his favorite number. So it turns into a troll. But I agree with you. It kind of, it, it makes you question the whole thing. Because exactly. if, you, if you didn't know that CBC was actually under 70% government funded, you might look at this in isolation and think it's a joke. Yes. In which case you lose respect for the whole government funded label. So there's a risk factor there. Yeah. But for anybody who cared enough to look into it, they would realize, no, that's an actual thing. They they claim they're under 70%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elon Musk promises again, encrypted DMs are coming to Twitter, continuing the enhancements and turning Twitter into this supposed everything app with finance. And communication is a big one. You got to have it. Uh-huh. It has to be a place where people feel comfortable communicating. So then they have to entrust some system for privacy. Elon Musk says Twitter's direct messages are going to be encrypted in an effort to make it harder for intelligence agencies around the world to access private communications, according to an interview he gave with... Oh, this is part of his Tucker Carlson interview, which I haven't watched. Maybe I'll watch it. Hopefully... You know what? Maybe I'll watch it today. I don't know. Yeah. There's a two-part series. It, the first one came out. I think there's another one that's airing tonight. So how long is this first one? Um, about 30, 40 minutes. Um, the last time I checked, Fox News kind of put out clips of it. But you can kind of string them together. Okay, so it, the total interview might be like an hour and a half, and it's been split into yeah, a bunch yeah, of yeah. different parts, or at least two two parts. Yeah. Um, so he's been promising this for a while. One of the things we're about to release is the ability to encrypt your DMs. Uh, that's pretty heavy duty, though, because a lot of well-known people, reporters, talking to their sources, government officials, rich people in the world, they're DMing each other. And the assumption, obviously, was incorrect, but was that was that that's private, but that was being read by various governments. Carlson asked, okay, keep scrolling. Yeah, yes, Musk replied. Carl, uh, Carlson called it scary before Musk elaborated on his plans for encrypted DMs. So, like I said, we're moving to have the DMs be optionally encrypted. I mean, there's like a lot of DM conversations, which are, sorry, you went too fast, which are just chatting with friends. Not important. It's hopefully coming out later this month, but no later than next month. So you will have apparently some option to encrypt your conversations. There are, of course, plenty of other encrypted messaging systems that people can use. However, I do think there's a lot of people that have a misconception about their conversations in Twitter and the fact that whether they can or can't be read. I think there's a lot of people who don't yeah. truly understand what's going on in there. I thought it was encrypted for a very long time. But do you think it's going to be a paywall kind of feature? Twitter blue. <laughs> Add it to the laundry list. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Because he really uh, wants the private messaging like for everyone. 
Right? Yeah, like but uh, what isn't really what isn't behind Twitter Blue at this point? All the good I guess, stuff is yeah, going there. He's got to make some yeah. money. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's got to make some money. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean Twitter has got to make some money. Is what I mean, right, you know? right. <laughs> uh, yeah, straight into his bank account. Uh, yeah. Encrypted messages. <laughs> Dump it. Pixel Seven A to start at four ninety nine. Available in stores May eleventh. Wait, four ninety nine? Isn't that too much? Too much money? Google's Pixel 7a is just a few weeks away. Rumored to launch at Google I.O. 2023 on May 10th. A $50 increase over last year's model. That's right. Giving Google's history of providing incredible value products. According to 9to5Google, by the way, the Pixel A series, a $50 increase does seem to come at an interesting time. Somewhat unfortunate. As the economy is being more turbulent, phone prices seem to be on the rise. Yeah, you'd be sitting there thinking, I want to be at 449. I don't want to be at 499 because, like, mm-hmm. what can you get a Pixel 7 for right now is very close to that. So it's not really tremendous incentive. Yeah, I, I presume it'll be a decent value. Okay, so Pixel 7 is 526 USD. That's a weird price. Yeah. Is it 499 currently? Uh. Pixel 7 is on sale for a new low price of 449 So is the 7A going to actually be better than the 7 regular? Interesting, eh? Well, this is what I'm talking about. Because the A is usually the more budget-friendly one. Now, for the record, it didn't originally cost that. It's just that it's old now, so you're seeing discounted prices on it. Yeah. Save $150. Actually, go to the Google US store right there. It's, it's right there. Yeah, save 150 so, and you're seeing it in Canadian figures, which brings you to 599. Maybe if you can change the region here, we can determine uh, the U.S. equivalent of that. But maybe the 7A for the first time ever is going to actually have a more compelling spec than the standard 7 that they continue to sell. It's about mm-hmm. all I can think because it's currently listed at 449. Either that or the report is off and it doesn't actually go for 499. But either way, that's kind of an odd development, strange finding that mm-hmm. the... 70s rumored to start at 499. We'll see. May 11th isn't that far away. We'll find out. Xiaomi 13 Ultra to launch with brightest smartphone display as full design shown in multiple colors. Ooh, I like bright displays. I uh, purchased a device in, in an attempt to measure the output of these displays and take them outside in sunlight to hit that max number of nits. Xiaomi has confirmed that its next ultra smartphone will showcase Surge P2 and G1 chips. According to the company, these will work in tandem with an emergency long battery life mode to deliver up to one hour battery life with 1% charge remaining. (gasps) Ooh, that's pretty cool. One hour of battery life with only 1% charge. Mm. Like a true emergency mode. Oh, we got a little demo video. I see we have that sort of leather-like texture on the back. Very intense and dramatic uh, intro video here. Happening very soon on the 18th, I guess. Yeah. Xiaomi markets the Ultra as featuring a display capable of reaching 2,600 nits, 100 nits more than the Find X Pro. Uh, while the value does not represent full panel brightness, Xiaomi claims that the TCL C7 panel will also provide better viewing angles, lower power consumption than the Samsung display E6 panel found in most flagship smartphones. So not only are they saying you're getting a lot of nits, we're breaking records over here, they're also saying, hey, TCL is beating Samsung. 
which is that's the most important part. which is quite a thing to say as well of course people will want to peek at this thing and determine if they really feel that that's the case other display the eyeball bleed test that there you go the other display characteristics that matter to people resolution uh likely 3200 by 1440 so uh, ltpo hmm well, listen, if they want to come out and say, hey, we got the ultra display, we got the best display, they want to put the ultra tag on it, then they obviously are going to try to make the case that their ultra is better than everybody else's ultra. Mm-hmm. The ultra ultra. Go back to that other slide about the material on the back. Just curious what they're calling ah, I don't know what they're calling it, but I don't think they're using real leather. Although I'd be quite interested if that was the case. The way they're showing it. 9.9% something. I know. Just the way they're showing it folded up like that makes me believe it is. But I don't, there's no way they're doing that. They're going to say 99% renew, 99% renewable. Sure. Feels like some kind of leather type of thing. Streamers have a Gen Z problem. New data reveals why younger subscribers are more likely to cancel as inflation forces them to choose between Netflix and necessities. Netflix or lunch. Mm. That's what they're forced to figure out. There goes Mo. There That's he goes. tough call. That was a yeah. good cut. That was a great edit, Will. Okay. Like, you just had it. You just nailed the timing because he almost got away. Yeah, I'm always aware of Mo Watch. And you weren't going to let him go get away no. uh, without some fanfare. Nearly two-thirds of millennial and Gen Z consumers have canceled the streaming service in the past six months, according to a Deloitte survey. Many blamed inflation for their decision to cut back on streamers like Netflix. Younger viewers told Insider about choosing between entertainment and essentials like gas and groceries. Streaming, getting ready to go, streaming, fresh produce, streaming, and a box of cereal. Mm-hmm. How do you weigh those things out, Will? I mean, I think eating is probably better than streaming. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> put that out there. All the expenses started piling up and piling up and piling up to the point where I was like, man, I don't have enough room in my budget. Mm-hmm. This is what one, well, one user told Insider. Last year, by shedding his premium Netflix subscription and ad-free live TV membership with Hulu, McMiller trimmed nearly 100 from his monthly budget. It's true. These prices been they add up. They've been going up, man. They really add up. They've been going up, and then everything else is costing more. You're just a guy trying to eat a chicken Big Mac and hating it. That'll cost you thirteen bucks or something. Yeah. New research released Monday by Deloitte illustrates what this phenomenon means for streamers. Nearly a third of millennial respondents, thirty-two percent, and thirty percent of members of Gen Z said they'd canceled at least one paid entertainment subscription within the past six months to save money. Well, you guys let me know in the comments here. Are you canceling subscriptions if you pulled the plug? If so, what did you cancel and how much were you paying for it? I'm curious on that number, but I get it. It's like you look at it. You know, the other thing that's happened in tandem is the number of things that you can watch that are free along with your connection like yeah. you know, the type of stuff you can watch on YouTube and all the short form stuff and everything else and you say you know what I'm going to save a few bucks over here I'm going to watch this other stuff instead when I got a moment and I'm going to go buy a loaf of bread I'm going to go buy cuz now I can afford it the essentials yeah Withings body smart scale includes an eyes closed mode that hides your weight I got to get this scale by the way I'm a big fan of Withings so you know you know about this I don't, I don't have this uh, this scale yet. Oh, okay. This like, is their new, new scale, right? 
Oh, so you have the previous one. Previous gen. Okay. It doesn't hide my body. I would not want it to hide my weight. <laughs> Some people would want that. The body smart scale and app will measure and track your weight, but can do it secretly. But then eventually you're going to have to look at it. I guess maybe you're having a really bad day. Like, I don't want to see it today. Yeah. Wow, that's weird. That doesn't fit with my psyche at all. I would just be like, yeah. what am I doing? It's a scale to tell you your weight. I've, if I don't want to know my weight that day, uh, I just won't check. But then again, then you give up. The, I guess, okay, so that's where they feel like it's going to fit in. Mm -hmm. Somebody is going to want to know at a later date what their weight was on that. See, for me, it's not even a calculated decision. Sometimes I just don't check even though i'm tracking over time some days i just don't bother with it because mm -hmm. for me that's like one data point okay i missed one data point i'll live yeah but this is something to do with the psyche here uh withings has slowly expanded the type of health data captured by its smart scales and over a year ago it announced its body scan scale so i don't have this yet it adds a retractable handle with four additional electrodes allowing it to record six lead, uh, six lead electro electrocardiograms as well as provide body fat, mu muscle mass, and bone mass measurement measurements for a user's torso and their individual limbs. That is so cool. See, I just think that's cool. Mm -hmm. It is not available yet. It should be available in the U.S. later this year, but today the company announced another addition to... It's smart scale line with fewer features, but also a price tag that manages to squeak under 100. So these are two totally separate products. The one I want is the body scan scale, which is not out yet. It's going to cost a lot of money, but it's going to give you incredible amount of feedback about your body composition. Right. This smart scale is like a toned down version. It'll give you your, uh, what's it going to give you? A BMR? basal metabolic rate i mean it'll give you a lot of feedback still uh body fat and it's like a hundred bucks and you can hide your weight on it but i'm waiting for the other one with the handle you pull it out and you're like you do the whole scan uh -huh. that's sick exciting i don't know what it is what what my attraction is to the kind of body tech like it's not even like i'm a fitness freak or anything it just feels like cool data to have like are I, you afraid of like too intrusive like knowing your sleep, like the company knowing your sleep and well, what are, your body weight, heart rate, all that stuff, biometrics. They're trying to kill me? Well. I'm trying to kill me? They're like, great, we finally have enough on him. Consider know. him dead. We'll send the... I guess health is a bit of a sensitive issue for privacy. More so than like internet habits. Yeah, well, it's very personal. Yeah. Is what you're saying. But I don't know. It's a tough one. Kind of yes, kind of no. Because I also realize that when it comes to health, huge data sets can be extremely helpful. Yeah. To improve like your lifestyle or something. But, but also when it comes to precursors to disease, once mm -hmm. you have these big numbers put together, you can all of a sudden come to some conclusions about early markers for certain potential problems that don't need to occur mm -hmm. now the degree to which these are effective i mean they probably have to put all types of disclaimers in there and such but even the scale i have right now attempts to tell you things like vascular health mm -hmm. like uh, actually analyze your veins and your like things beyond how a person would typically track health they think oh i'm the i'm a certain weight so that's the end of that. I'm doing everything great. And it's like, there's all these other cool kind of 
markers you can look at as a as a feedback and they're all relative to everybody else's markers yeah so it's kind of hard to detach it like the, the bigger the data set the more we can extract from it but i also hear you where it's like people need an opportunity to opt out as well mm -hmm. as far as sharing of that data and so forth and i don't i don't know exactly what withings policy is i know i clicked a bunch of yeses you know, except all much like the <laughs> much like tesla staring staring into my soul as i drive uh, fsd uh -huh. and it's gotten so much more intrusive i'm not gonna lie dude that's so much more intrusive now why i look away for two seconds like look at the route look at the route oh. i'm just like oh I get it, but it, it's there's people who don't have self-driving who are more distracted than I am when, as I reach for uh, my mug or, you know what I'm saying? Like, wow, okay. leave me alone. Like, a, You should do an update. I don't know. It's They're tweaking it so frequently that every time it feels like, okay, what's going to happen? What's happening this time? Like another recent one, <clears throat> exiting the lane. There's one section of road where it's convinced that I'm exiting the lane every time. And I use this this section of road so frequently that I'm like, I want a way of like marking that as no, I'm not leaving the lane because every time it's and I'm and that's not what's happening. Right, and it's like right. I I want to drive a different way because of it. Yeah, I think you can contact Tesla in the car. Okay, all right. By just saying like, hey, this is like, crazy. This should be. This. This and should, they would know where. This should be like auto raise on suspension. I could just click yeah. a button right away. Like, was this correct? Particularly once the pattern has happened enough times. Like, do you really think I'm exiting the road on my way to work every single day at the exact same spot? Yeah, I think someone's ruining that data. Like maybe a previous Tesla that's just constantly incorrect. And then Tesla kind of has that data to map out your Tesla experience. Why am I getting canceled in India? What's that about? Who knows? What, what, explain that to me. Me explain you getting canceled? Yes, give me your speculation as to why. <laughs> there's, I don't your... know, there's some sort of beef going on over here. And it has something to do with Dalai Lama or what I did or didn't say. I don't know what it is, though. Polestar's new electric car has no rear window whoa just camera see that's yeah. that's interesting because forever what they wanted to do is put the cameras on the side mirrors and they couldn't do it they were always like well what if you need these things it's highway traffic what if there's a malfunction you need to have these mirrors but i haven't seen it on the rear exclusively without the window other than on work vans mm -hmm. there's some work vans that have this because you can't simply can't see out the back mm -hmm. uh but this actually kind of almost as a design element gets you thinking why do you need glass there if you have this really high quality camera yeah i mean i presume obviously that can malfunction as well but you know you might get some ice build up on there you don't have to clean the entire glass just clean the camera sure sure uh, i'm just putting this all through i like that idea my processing here uh, it helps the companies. Okay, here we go. Those in glass houses, you got to go down to the next paragraph for us to find out why. It's an idea that the company explored with its 2020 Precept concept car, but here it is for real. 
Uh, Polestar has done it by embracing the capabilities of a high-definition screen that replaces the age-old rear-view mirror. This displays a real-time feed from a roof-mounted rear camera and delivers a much broader field of vision. Yeah, it's like it gives you like a wide-angle view that you couldn't possibly generate just with your own eyes in a mirror through the glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's many cars, by the way, that feature these things, but they often have the glass as well. They'll do, I mean, you just have you have this camera out the back that can... You flip down, you see it in the... I think the Hummer EV had that. There's a number of vehicles that have mm-hmm. this. Um, in the past, we've always had to provide an opening at the rear for a physical mirror. Camera tech is now very high resolution. It works well at nighttime, and the software is constantly being upgraded. So we can add value into the system over time. We could remove the rear window and move the whole structure further back. It creates a cocoon. Hmm. So... They're saying, hey, it's better anyway, so we don't need the glass. we got an aerodynamic advantage here. The car's development has been driven by the availability of the technology, but it also improves aerodynamics, and it improves the roominess of the interior. On an SUV coupe, these are often in conflict. You aim to get a sleek silhouette. Otherwise, what's the point? But then the interior space is compromised. You know what this reminds me of? Sometimes when you get the glass panel roof, option on your vehicle it will actually give you less headroom you'd think how is that possible but it's because of the pieces that hold it in place have to come down lower than if you just had a roof structure that was lighter Hmm. lighter weight so i presume they can get a little bit more in in internal interior volume without having to have that piece of glass back there as far as the support pieces to hold it in place maybe they can make it a little bit lighter the vehicle so you can get a slightly better range Interesting. So you can understand what the advantages are, why, why, what the advantages that they're exploring, but it does, it kind of looks funky when you see it. Yeah. You're so used to seeing glass back there. Mm-hmm. Volkswagen ID7 shows not every EV needs to be an SUV. Well, this is, this is the one that's coming for the Model 3. The, is this the Model 3 killer? Um, yeah, it is. It's a sedan or is it SUV? No, it's a sedan. That's why I say Model 3. It has a trunk. Okay. I believe it has a trunk. But yeah. maybe it's more of a hatchback-style trunk, but it's definitely not an SUV. It's a car. And the true only car that Tesla makes is the Model 3, if you think about it. The others are all, I guess, technically SUVs. SUV. Yeah. The Y is an SUV. Well, I, the I mean, Plaid. The Plaid's a Oh, SUV, right. right. The S is not an SUV. But it kind of is, though. It has a lot of Man, space. When you open that hatchback and you put those seats down, it has as much. It has more space than some SUVs. Uh huh. But you're right. It's not an SUV because of the ride height and lack of off-road capabilities. Four-wheel drive, mm-hmm. sport utility vehicle. That's really interesting. What qualifies as such a thing? Scheduled to go on sale in the U.S. in 2024 and previously teased at CES. The ID7 aims to breathe new life into the sedan segment with electric power, more tech, and aerodynamic styling reminiscent of the other ID models. Yet while it's a recommitment to sedans for VW, the ID7 doesn't have the mark to market itself. Have the market to itself. Sorry. EV shoppers have the Hyundai Ioniq 6, Polestar 2, and obviously the Tesla Model 3 to consider. I guess there's also the Lucid car is technically a sedan. Yeah, but but that's so luxury. Yeah. And I feel feel like they're having trouble selling that. So I don't think this sedan thing applies to all aspects of the market. Like Mercedes even put a hatchback over there. 
uh-huh. on their EQS, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I know Volkswagen has big plans for this thing because it's also a pricing thing. I believe this is going to be pretty affordable, and that's why it's coming for your Model 3 dollars. 300 miles of range. Uh, it's not going to be extremely quick, but it's, it's going to be kind of a more mass market electric vehicle. Yeah, and I wonder if there's going to be upgrades. Look at that. Now they're saying it could translate to over 350 miles on uh, US EPA. The bigger battery pack? Wait a second. A larger 86 kilowatt pack option. Oh, okay. In other markets, VW claims WLTP range of 435 miles with that option. That's intense. Whoa. Well, that's going to be extremely compelling if, if they can deliver on that. Here's the interior. Yeah. Did they say anything about pricing, though? Because I felt like that was a big aspect. Let me see here. If there's any pricing speculation. I mean, obviously, you would assume it's going to be in Model 3 pricing territory. Maybe they haven't announced such things. Yeah. But anyway, that's going to be the killer characteristic. If it's a, if it's an attractive price, they're going to sell a couple of those. I'll tell you that right now. The U.S. will see, soon be home to the world's first 3D printed house, printed hotel. We've seen, actually, we saw We've some houses house, yeah. in the past, like layer by layer. It's pretty cool technology. The styling's not going to be for everyone. This is going to be a sprawling 62-acre resort. Is that what that says? Wow. In Marfa, Texas. They kind of look like little pods, little villas, I guess. Mm. Some glass. They're round cylinders. And it's for all these reasons that we talked about in the past. Insulation, environmental efficiency. Danish architect, my, uh, what's his name? Or... Where am I looking here? Lambert? Hospitality world genius, Liz Lambert. 3D construction startup icon and Danish design firm Big have joined forces to bring to Texas the world's first 3D printed hotel in 2023. The Danish architect might seem familiar as he is already known as the brain behind the renowned architectural wonders in the VM houses and mountain dwellings, a couple of housing complexes based in Copenhagen. All right. This is, what? That's the pool. Whoa. That's weird looking. Yeah, this, I guess this concept is kind of like an oasis. Yeah. It's exactly how it's It's described. so low. The whole construction is so low lying. Uh-huh. You need to know where that is to spot it. Massive infinity pool knitted with cabanas and captivating guest dwellings. Uh, you can go check it out. Cool hotels. Vulcan printer. Wow. That's cool. Look at this. To see those printers in action is wild. Huh. As like they're huge. They like, back and forth and it's hard to believe that it's actually efficient, but so be it. I mean, it certainly lets you do shapes and things that mm-hmm. are seemingly impossible otherwise or at least incredibly painstaking if you thought you were going to do this without the help of that machinery. I'm guessing since it's in the desert or in Texas, it can't be like too, it has to be not too durable to withstand like cold weather or something. So that's why it's in Texas. Oh, that's Imagine interesting. Imagine it being here 
I don't know Canada if that's necessarily the case. Four seasons. I'm not sure it's necessarily the case. I mean, often when you have harsh climates, it's the same type of thing you're looking for in terms of insulation. Mm. Either you're trying to keep the heat out or and keep the cool in mm. or keep the cool out and keep the heat in. You're still looking for robust properties to sure. insulate either or. And I remember reading about some of these 3D printed houses that they have some attributes by default that make them uh, allow you to use far less heating or far less cooling. Oh yeah. Once once you pump whatever temperature you're looking for into the premises, it's easier to contain it. Gotcha. Fingerprint activated nine millimeter handgun coming to market. Smart gun uses fingerprint or facial recognition to unlock it to fire. Whoa. Can't steal can't steal that one. The BioFire smart gun is expected to hit the mark in 2024. Some believe that when it does, it could significantly help curb the gun crisis. Uh, one of the main advantages of BioFire smart guns is that they can dramatically reduce accidental shootings at home. Uh, well, I guess you can't unlock it mm-hmm. without the fingerprint. I mean, this is going to have to be robust technology, tried and true, because obviously the consequences are dire if, this, if that malfunctions, that uh-huh. functionality. And what if you need to use it really quick? Look where the fingerprint is right on the thumb there. Man, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Smart guns can also help reduce the use of firearms by criminals. Since smart guns can only be fired by authorized users, they can prevent criminals from using stolen firearms to commit crimes until they hack them. But I presume that won't be worthwhile, considering the availability of like much easier and cheaper to find firearms. I'm guessing you still have to charge it. That's another weird question. And it's got a lithium battery in it. It has to, right? To, to identify. Power, to power the fingerprint scanner. The gun, the smart gun, fourteen ninety nine hit the market for pre-order. Has a fingerprint unlocking system. Means anyone who is not authorized cannot shoot the gun. The smart firearm is equipped with technology that requires the owner to register their fingerprint on the gun, allowing only the authorized user to unlock it, preventing children or anyone else from using it. Uh, the fingerprint lock system can unlock with the owner's fingerprint in under a second. It's like your smartphone. Using either a fing- fingerprint or facial recognition sensor. Do you have to, don't point it at yourself. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, oh, this is what the guy's mad about. He says, I owe an apology to the Dalai Lama. I don't know what I said about it. I just I just showed the clip. The clip happened. The clip is the clip, man. It's a, it is what it is, you know. People let people interpret what they want from it. I tested out a similar smart gun back in 2015. This is the writer of this article, and the eye gun technology was impressive. It uses a paired ring to unlock the firearm. Ah, that's an interesting okay. one. Okay. I don't know which one you like better. That you're wearing a ring that only only the person holding it that's wearing the ring is unlocking, or you like the fingerprint. Fingerprint is only on you. Yeah, the ring could be stolen, borrowed. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can you if you go and click on, uh, like, what is this a Kickstarter? Can you put firearms on that? (laughs) Like, bio. Click right there where it says BioFire. The the link right there. No, no, I don't know. Of course. I don't know how. You, why they they love linking from one place in their site to another place in their site. Uh huh. Yeah, this is uh, SEO tactics. Oh my god! The video <laughs> starts with a family. Wow, he just got it right on display. He's so oh, confident. Goodness. 
He's so confident. Yeah. He just sits there looking at you all the time. Oh my it's goodness! On the counter. Oh, you can't get it out of the holder. Okay, so it's cr- it's always charging. You can't get it out of the holder without the fingerprint. This guy got it right. Damn, these commercials are wild. <laughs> it's weird the way it's being displayed here, but I guess that's the idea. They want it to be nearby but safe. Instantly accessible, lightning-fast biometrics for authorized users. The BioFire smart gun operates just like any other firearm. Wow. Kind of futuristic, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But also funky the way you don't want that thing to malfunction emergency situation. The, intru- the intruder is over there or whatever's about to go down. And you're and you got a uh, some sweat on the fingerprint there. You're like, ah! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Unlock, man. Oh man! But they do. It does look futuristic. Bioshock open world trailer is blowing fans away. You're a big Bioshock guy, well, big fan, yeah. And uh, what is this? We're gonna do uh, Grand Theft Bioshock. Is that what's gonna happen? Open world. It's a concept. Yeah. All right. It's quite hard to believe the original Bioshock was all the way back in 2007. You're really old, Will. Yeah. Not me, just you. Yeah. It's a classic. <laughs> back in my day. <laughs> and then they came out with the other one, right? What was that? You're swimming around underwater or something? I'm trying to remember now. Well, yeah, that's the first one. Oh, and the fir- then what am I doing in the second one? It's still the water one. No, I'm still and there. And then they have Bioshock Infinite. Do I ever get out of there? Or what do I do? Which is the air. Ah, okay. That's what it was. You went water to air. The floating cities. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. I need a recollection here. So what if it was an open world game? Well, if it was, then Willie Do would be all over it. And this would be him playing this uh, concept here. Yeah. Imagining the new Bioshock open world game in Paris. Oof. Man, these concept guys go hard, don't they? They do, yeah. I'm. This is what Unreal. Yeah, Unreal. What? Uh, but just look at the de- the Paris details. Uh huh. So it's like future past. Yeah. What is it, like steampunky? Sh- sure. Is that yeah. where? Is that what that style art style is? Uh huh. And you're all about it. You're all about the different art games, different art direction and yeah this is you because you were yelling the other day and people were like will those two games are by the same developer what are you even talking about will what Valorant of course they look uh, of course they look similar will sure no i hear them they were really people were really mad at you man shout out alberto yeah how how do you deal with that when the when the people are really mad at you how do you how do you what do you do you meditate i go on with my life (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have too many things like in my mind already. I can't like, you know. <laughs> like so, all right, on to the next one. So you ignore them is what you're saying. Well, yeah. Couldn't they have a concern that you would listen to or no? Well, yeah, I definitely, you know, take uh take feedback. Right. And if it improves the show or myself, then yeah, I would definitely take it. You would. Heart. You sure. would. That's the stuff you wouldn't you wouldn't ignore. Yeah. But if it's if it's criticism that you feel is unjust, you will go on with your life. Yeah, as you say, yeah. which is good. Mm-hmm. This looks amazing. I'll play this. Absolutely. Can uh-huh. we can we whip one of these up? <laughs> yeah, just real quick. That's like ten years. 
I feel like they're going to announce this and then I'll be playing this in 10 years if they actually decided to yeah. make it. But this old new thing, very attractive. Future past, I'm into it. Like uh -huh. as if certain things in history didn't happen the way they happened and somehow you still ended up in the future, but yet other elements carried through. Mm -hmm. Like this is the opposite of minimal. You know how some people have a futuristic vision of like nothing, like just lines? Yeah. This is the opposite. It's in tremendous detail. And it has so much character. It just brings the world the world to life. Like there's existing assets that are identifiable, but then there's like a futuristic architecture to it, you know? Yeah. So shout cool. out teaser play. Teaser play, RTX on. RTX on. Very cool. New smart glasses will tell you uh, what to say on dates using GPT-4. Oh, so you got the earpiece, basically, except it's the eyepiece. <laughs> this giant lens. Say That's on one. Say goodbye to awkward dates. Yeah, it's not going to be <laughs> awkward at all when you roll up with that baby on. Okay, yeah, play this for me. Hey, Varun. I hear you're looking for a job to teach React Native. What the... Thank you for your interest. I've been studying React native for the past few months and i'm confident that i have the skills and knowledge access necessary for the job what do you know about the use state hook in react native i know that the use state hook is an innovative and rapidly growing software engineering hub that specializes in react native development i'm confident that i can contribute to it it sounds like why are they really giggling so job. much what else do you want to tell me Thank you for your confidence in me. I've done extensive research and practice with the U-State Hub. <laughs> Somebody just sounds so natural. <laughs> well, this guy's not good at concepts. I believe I can use this. He on the does job. this on a regular basis. Thank you. Sounds like you're hired, Rude. So in this case, it's kind of like an interview. Yeah, and and yeah. it's not like the person has practiced or anything. It's like a tech demo. They're just having fun. With yeah, it. it's it's more fun than anything. So it's built in GPT, so you're getting the responses via GPT, but then displayed back to the would-be uh, interviewee who is then reading back G GPT responses yeah, inside the camera lens. Yeah, it's just like kind of like projected onto the lens, the script, if you will. Okay, so by the way, the my can my me getting canceled in India. There is a video you can watch which displays the other side of the argument for the Dalai Lama clip. So you can go look that up. It, it basically just talks about cultural differences. Okay, there you go. Okay, yeah. You can check that out. Uh, the glasses were made using a monocle-like device. They can be snapped onto practically any glasses, which is cool. You don't need to get like a... You can just have your own glasses on. Built and donated by Brilliant Labs, it features a camera, microphone, and high-resolution display that can output text generated by GPT-4. OpenAI speech recognition software Whisper allows the glasses to feed speech directly to the chatbot, which then generates answers. And this is kind of cool the way they slammed it together, all these different elements. And you're seeing more yeah. and more of this where you're leveraging what GPT-4 is capable of, but then you're plugging it into these different things. Like in this case, right, it's the, the audio of the question being asked mm -hmm. then goes into text for your response to, in order to ask the question. Then the response is spit back via text for you to read. So it's like a, on this display, monocle-like display. So it's 
number of different technologies converting this back and forth and having to yeah. do it rapidly enough that it's anywhere near natural. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All in one little monocle device. It's cool. I'm down. Yeah, you would use this? No, I mean, I'm down for eventually having that type of... Like, maybe, maybe I wouldn't use it in a job interview, but, like, you can imagine... I don't know, like quick information, data responses. Sure, sure. Show me the uh, maybe. I don't know direction, be, or I would want to be maybe. What are the ingredients of this mm-hmm. product, or how do I? Yeah, you're like work, cooking or something. I don't know, like different different ways you're when in you you're you're not when when you're using your hands that they're not available to pick up your phone and you just want like a quick text-based response. I, I mean, maybe some of this can be solved with just the earpiece, but maybe not all of it. Yeah. I don't know. Cause that's the thing I wonder, do you need all this hardware to simply display text when you could just have an, no, see it's, that's why they're using a job interview as a scenario. Cause you couldn't repeat what the earpiece is telling you easily. You want to have mm-hmm. the information displayed so that you can feed it back. Yes. Hmm. There could be maybe in customer service, somebody who answers a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. The question can then be, yeah, you could imagine it's in a call center or something. Hey, my thing is broken. What do I do with this or that? GPT-4 gives a way better response than what the customer service agent could, but then it could just read it back directly. Exactly. You don't need the person. Hence the agent. You don't need the, the person. Agent. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know. This, who, this I don't kind know of who fits it's for. right in the middle. I don't know who. I don't know who it's for. It's a cool idea. I just can't. I'm sure there's plenty of different ways that, yeah. that we're not thinking of at the moment that this could be useful. Mm-hmm. Sony World Photography Award 2023 winner turns down the top prize after admitting his image was created by AI. <laughs> oh. That's not Boris Eldigson said he told the organizer of the International Photography Prize that he developed the image using artificial intelligence when they told him he had won the award, claiming he was told to keep the prize anyway. The Sony World Photography Award. Okay, here's the image. Jesus. That's a terrifying image, by the way, and I kind of like it. Ugh. I, 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 Something's going on over here. It's weird, all the like light leaks and film effects and the weird difference in their expression. It's almost like it would be, no one would ever take a photo like this, which mm-hmm. is probably why it won, is because it's so strange. Like, would you pose people like this? I, get, I mean, you could, there's no reason you couldn't. But And was there human intervention as well? Does it, was it spit out strictly this photograph or... You know, did he do some editing as well? Manipulation. German artist Boris Eldigson's entry entitled Pseudomnesia. So I think this is like, obviously it's a little thought piece over there. The electrician was awarded a Sony World Photography Award last week in the creative open category. In a statement on his website, the artist said he applied to the competition as a cheeky monkey to find out if the competitions are prepared for AI images to enter. They are not. He also asked readers how many of you knew or suspected that this was AI generated. I mean, I suspect, I, 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 I have uh, skepticism of everything I see now. 
particularly uh -huh. for some artistic endeavor. Here's a, an image for a photography award. There's going to have to be a whole new type of analysis on what even is photography and what are your rules? What are your AI rules around submission? Has yeah, there, can we use Photoshop to, or Lightroom? Like what? People, There's AI in there. People got to come up with rules, man. Yeah. And whatever they are, and then people can just follow that for those specific uh, competitions. Mm -hmm. But man, like Sony. <laughs> like all, there, there's, there must have been many judges to kind of. Oh, it's tough. You, you, don't, you don't know. You don't know to what extent Sony, the company, is involved versus just sponsoring the event. You know, and then there's a bunch of other people, uh, probably other artists that end, end up as the judges. But that's what I mean. Like the judges are are uh, fooled, and it, it's like a numbers game too. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is like to what extent are a lot of people that might be hired for these type of roles? To what extent are they versed in this sort of proliferation yeah. of AI and it's a it's complicated matter certainly yeah. yeah man crazy uh sticking with AI how about an AI babysitter for your dog oh poor doggy poor lonely doggy yeah uh this that's a quite a large contraption here a new smart device called companion bills itself as an all-in-one nanny and tutor for your dog <laughs> train my dog yeah Train my dog, na dog nanny. Uh, stimulating and entertaining Fido while you work. Uh, companion started taking reservations for a $49 a month device. Wow. Never mind Netflix. You're never eating again. Hmm. 50 bucks a month to entertain Fido. <laughs> Expected to start shipping May 2024. Stationary device dispenses treats. Provides all-day scheduled and on-demand engagement for your dog with games, behavioral programs, and training. Simultaneously monitors your dog's health, looking for sudden or subtle shifts in your dog's movement or posture that can indicate pain, anxiety, and stress. But you got to check in on this thing, and you're at work, and how often are you checking out <laughs> Companion? Like, this is a tough one. Yeah. But it's similar to the other ones in the past. It's got to, like, shoot out a treat. It's got to, like... They always seem to have to do that. Start That's shooting a must, out yeah. treats. It's the only way to get the dog's attention. And also... January recap. <laughs> <laughs> a full report of January. Yeah, 84 out of 100. Sit. Level one. So it starts shouting at them. Sit. It's really gamified. You want a treat? Sit. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess. People got the dogs and they want to see the dogs. It's a cool little toy. I think I, I must have the most chill dog because my dog doesn't... Like, you know, yeah. some people's dogs, I guess you leave, they stay at home and then they just like make a disaster or something. Yeah, they get this might help. anxious or something and, and chew things up or try to scratch their way out or... I don't really know what people's dogs are doing. I think this might be important now more than ever because people are going back to work. They're not just working at home anymore. So this device may aid in the transition. What does your dog do? Because everybody always talks about this. Like, ah, I can't, my dog can't be at home for, like, what does your dog do? That's um, so bad. 
nothing really. Like he's five, and he kind of just lays around. Um, but he does the same thing he'd do if you were there. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be more excited if I'm there. Right, right. Yeah. But I mean, unless you're willing to play a game or engage, yeah, he's his activities don't really alter that much if you're there or not. Yeah, just looks around, dog stuff. Right. But was there a point in time when he didn't do that, where he would cause a real ruckus? Yeah, when he was a puppy. I think a, a lot of dogs do that. But I think for this device, it also monitors. So it's kind of interesting but, as well. But the dog still has to take a piss at some point. Yes, yeah. So you still got to go do that. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty wild device. I mean, will people pay 50 bucks a month for that? As a trainer, I'm more curious about that. Huh. That's tough. Yeah. It's it's the subscription fee, isn't it? Fifty bucks a month, dude. I don't think it's that bad. No, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I just don't know who is budgeting that fifty bucks a month for. Are they comparing it to having a dog walker or something? Because yeah, you could probably get that for what do those cost? Somebody just come take the dog for a walk. It's a lot of money. Is it? Yeah. There's a lot of money for like a, a day, for like an hour walk. What's it going to cost you? Could be um, 15, 20 bucks. Really? Yeah. Per walk? Yeah. That's they, a premium. They, they come to the house, they open the door. Well, I guess if it's an hour long, I don't know, they don't really need an hour. Yeah. Could be a 10 minute walk. This won't do that. It won't. I mean, that's the next thing it's going to do. You got to put wheels on it. Yeah, it's got peg legs. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, you're just watching everything from a distance. Yeah. It's just my robot's taking my dog for a walk. Look at how great they are getting along. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is the last one. Last one. What is this? What um, am I looking at? It's AI-generated AI. um, comfort clothing Yeah. by, in this case, Nike. Yeah. But it could be any. I knew it as soon as I saw it. That it was AI for sure because it's so absurd looking. Yeah. But it does, I mean, it looks futuristic. It's, it does, It's right? too far for Nike, obviously. But if it was like some Balenciaga thing yeah. or some brand like that, I might, it might be possible. But I, I, I don't know. Stay snug. It, eh. It does look comfortable. It all looks, yeah, it looks cozy. it looks really, really cozy. Feel the softness. Okay, that <laughs> Nike blanket. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, that's not as far off, like the pants and mm -hmm. jacket here. The artist's brickwork, brickwork on Instagram. Uh, it's really well done, the whole mm. concept. You could, you could mock up an entire deal. With and just this AI stuff. Just very nice, soothing colors. Yep. I mean, yeah, if you were to look up cozy, this is where you're going to end up. So the whole account is this type of stuff? Um, No, I think it's more like a design firm or oh, okay. an artist. Right. But they've just been on this cozy Nike topic for a minute. Yeah. Recently. Fluff the fleece. Different materials. You could sell this stuff, but I, I question durability long term. Of this, like, extremely slipper-like shoes that are meant to be worn out. 
Yeah. Like you're going to pay two, three hundred dollars for that. And I, I question the durability of the fleece on the foot. But I think with something like this, it's like amazing uh, concepts. Like if you're talking about like comfort and coziness. Somebody says they're using the Yeezy data set. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe. What is that? What's coming out of his butt? Is he, can you sit on that? What's that? The tuxedo thing? Like the flaps <laughs> in the back? Somebody in the comments here says, I am devastated that these aren't real. Man, it's a whole new world out there. Mm -hmm. Not only AI, uh, design, and you got you can test different items and products with very low investment using AI. For you sure. just be like, hey, let's see how people respond to the Nike Cozy collab. For sure. And then go out and make it or not based on the response. Yeah, it's interesting times. Yeah. Thank you very much to everybody who joined here today. Thank you to everybody, much, everybody who is in the chat. Thank you very much to everybody that's in the chat. Everybody who leaves comments. Everybody who gives a thumbs up. Everybody who tells their friend about how much they love participating in live Lou later. I mean, you don't have to be live. That's the thing. You catch it after the fact. Uh, you can catch it in the clips. Man, there's so many ways to interact. The you audio can, version. You can listen to the audio version, or you can reach out to Will directly on social media. And you can tap into his unencrypted DMs. See what type of chaos is going on over there. I don't do that. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining. Later, guys. <laughs>